Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is Craig McConnell, and I'm joined, as usual, with John Eldridge, and we're in the middle of uh, a series uh, that uh, some would call Worldview. I think our approach is taking it from a little different angle and simply asking the question, um, what are some of the assumptions that uh, we see Christ living by and making about uh, the world, about people, about God, about gender, and so on? In last week, uh, the juices got flowing <laughs> as uh, we introduced the topic of uh, people, assumptions about people. And John used an uh, opening illustration of a high wire uh, act, the tight roper with the long balancing beam. And on one one end of the beam being um, that man is uh, is sinful, is evil. And uh, uh, we went into that. I am sure <laughs> uh, that you were disrupted in just uh, viewing man a little bit differently. And this week, John, you're going to hopefully introduce the other part of the balancing beam and just the glory of God. What else is true? Well, this is the crazy thing. I mean, this is when you begin to look at some of the assumptions Jesus holds about people, part of me wants to go, well, which is it, Lord? Because last week I read John 2 of how Jesus didn't entrust himself to anyone for he knew what was in man. I mean, Jesus knew people are not trustworthy. You know, I mean, that's a staggering, sad, sober, tragic, lonely assessment. But then here this week in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is teaching and he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance. Mm. And you go, whoa, 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 wait a second. It's like this is so far out the other direction, the inestimable value of people in Jesus's eyes. I mean, wow. Can we just say for one thing, this is a really remarkable man we're dealing with. <laughs> I mean, his capacity to look very honestly at people and say, oh, well, I know what's in man, you know, and yet not go to cynicism, not go to resignation, not go to self-protection. On the other hand, to be able to hold just as earnestly, just as sincerely, oh, but they have inestimable Mm -hmm. worth. They are of great value Mm -hmm. in my sight. And so I want to put that out there this morning to help balance and keep into perspective what we shared last week. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you're saying that, I mean, I'm thinking of some of the the encounters Christ had, um, um, the woman at the well, um, her evil, her sin was certainly clear. Christ certainly saw that. And exposed it, may we point out. Exposed it, but stayed with her. Yes. Because he saw something else as well. Yes. The rich young ruler. I mean, he's got this young man seeking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus sees what's going on and yet pursues him, stays in it. This one thing you That's so good, Craig. Thank you. Because, again, there's another example. He exposes his idolatry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just say, oh, you're just misunderstood. Oh, you, you just didn't grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you just uh, have experienced racism all your life, and that's the reason for your problems. He doesn't buy any of that. He says, oh, no, you're an idolater. Mm-hmm. And I love you. Mm-hmm. And here's an invitation to follow me. He reaches out to him. So picking up on last week, um, he sees the sin. He sees the, the posture of a heart or a soul, a life, a being. And that's not diminished. It's not because he doesn't see it. And yet somehow there's something else he sees or he's yes. pursuing or yes. he's after. Yes. It's both are true. Yes. Fiercely so. Yes. Prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Right? The story of the prodigal son. Very graphic description of a young man in sin. And yet this extraordinary picture as well of, do you remember the passage, while he was still a long ways off? Mm-hmm. This is the prodigal now on his way home. It says his father saw him. And ran to him and embraced him. It says that he kissed him. God kisses the sinner. God embraces. And and just the beauty of while he was still a long ways off, the only way the father could have seen him while he was still a long ways off is if he was watching, searching, scanning the horizon constantly for him. Right. Otherwise, he'd have to wait until he was, you know, quite near at hand to look up and notice his son. So you have this beautiful, again, the value of human beings, the value of human beings. And, and let me let me let me tell a quick little story that Dennis Prager uses. Um, you'll hear us quote, I think, a couple times in this series from a commentator that we really appreciate named Dennis Prager. He is a profound Jewish thinker, um, I think a very level headed guy pray for his salvation from time to time. I'd love to see him become a Christian, but he is a remarkable man. And so anyway, here's the story that he tells. He says that um, as a test of this, the value of human beings, anytime he's in an audience of young people, high school students that that he's speaking to, he always asks this question. He says, um, a stranger is drowning in a river and your dog is also swept in by the current and gets caught and is drowning also, who would you save? Yes. And he says that in every situation, every time he's ever asked the question, the overwhelming majority of the audience say, their dog. Yeah. And uh, Prager uses that example to say, folks, do you understand where the culture is at right now? I mean, 
you know, the, the culture is psychotic because on the one you know hand, we're trying to fight for justice and and oppose racism and all forms of oppression and just unfair labor laws and practices and you know all sorts of injustices in the world. And on the other hand, most people would rather save their dog than a stranger because that we don't understand the inestimable value of human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ did not die for the rainforest. Yeah. He didn't. Jesus Christ did not die for pets. Mm-hmm. He didn't. The ransom that this story of leaving the 99 to find the one, that parable is Jesus Christ coming for human beings. And why, Craig? Why the value? What, well, what are the assumptions Jesus is making that gives – where does that value come from? Yeah, I was um, – the value what Christ, I think, sees or where I go is um, we're created by him, for him, in so many ways like him. Mm. We bear his image, mm. um, his heart. And all of creation is um, intended and built around some mm. story of um, we as people and God being in this intimate romance. Mm. And our design and everything about us, though marred deeply, um, what he sees is is uh, is something he longs and loves and and. Uh, has designs and intent for and is created very much in his image. We're very similar to him in some way. Mm. I don't know if that's hitting what you were asking. Right. It's the image of God. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in creation is said to be the sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Genesis account of creation, the world is of great value. I love the world. And as I've said in previous podcasts, I actually financially support conservation causes. I believe in that. But when the creation story is given, there's only one thing in creation that's said to bear the image of God, and it's people. Mm-hmm. And people are eternal. People have an eternal destiny. Trees don't, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Designed for relationship. The Colorado River chub. You know, the little native fish that they're spending millions of dollars to try and rescue doesn't have an eternal destiny. Human beings do. I mean, they're just – gosh, it's good for me to just say this, to just say, folks, when it comes to creation and mankind, you know, the scripture's posture is there is nothing in creation that even comes close to the value of human beings. Nothing. And so here's the the long extending balancing beam out to the other side of, of, yes, man is a disaster. Things have gone terribly wrong in the human soul, in the heart, in the motives, in the mind, in the posture, in the will, in the sexuality, you know, in every capacity of human beings, things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. You know, and it goes way past brokenness. We're talking about sin. And yet at the same time, Scripture is stubborn, absolutely stubborn to say, and there is nothing in the entire created universe that even comes close to the value of a human being. Saturn, right? Jupiter, nothing. 
the Eagle Nebula, nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the Redwoods in California, I'm sorry, nothing. Yeah. Nothing comes close to the value. Not whales, mm-hmm. not dolphins, mm-hmm. not in scripture. You do not get anything but a stubborn insistence that the value of human beings, because we are, among other things, the sons and daughters of God. He literally created us. And because we are immortal, we have eternal destinies and trees don't. Yeah. And so much of our design, and when we say image bearers, we're relational. I mean, it's Mm. not just he's chosen us among Mm. all things to be eternal. Mm. But eternal in relationship with him mm. is his intent. Yes. That's good. Thus the prodigal son. Thus the mm. kiss. Thus mm-hmm. the embrace. The son is welcomed back into relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not just some kind of um, abstract value. What's missing, you know, the, what the father and the prodigal son is, the loss that he has experienced is a loss of relationship with the son. You know, and he, and he says to his brother, rejoice. I mean, he was dead to us. He wasn't really dead, but he was dead to us and he was alive again. So that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. That relational component. John, when you hear the term, we bear God's image or the inestimable, inestimable, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> the value of, of man. Is that substantive? What are you referring to that we're eternal? Is there something substantive that he values? What is it specifically? I mean, we're eternal uh, or relational. Can you unpack um, what is it he sees with us? Mm. Eternal. It's true. It's part of our nature. I'd love to hear more on what's it mean or what does he see that he loves Mm. or is it different than that? Is it just that he chooses to love us and it's all in his choice and action and and, um, his kind of deciding? I've never liked that theology Mm -hmm. and I'm not entirely sure I can say why, but See, here's the problem with holding to just one or two assumptions about people and not getting the balancing being, not getting kind of the full breadth of Christ's assumptions about people because there is a camp that really wants to hold hardly, you know, firmly at least to, you know, no, man is a sinner, man is a sinner, man is a sinner. All glory to God, all glory to God, all glory to God. And and the problem is in that teaching, you get this sense that – and this is taught, so taught. Um, quite often in that community that you don't have any value in yourself. The, The value is that God chose to love you. But the problem is this. Well, he could have chosen to love a polywog. He could have chosen to love pond scum, you know, um, amoebas, bacteria, viruses, you're saying just as equally, because that position, yes. I want to push into that. So you're saying that had God chosen instead of man to love and adore and bless viruses, they would have the same value then as human beings, or the value is simply bestowed by God's loving. Clearly not. Obviously not by the example, you know, the the, the parent that loves their dog more than their daughter, you know, that is not a good parent. So I I want to say no, because of the creation, 
and therefore all honor to God, mm. God's creation of man. He has bestowed on man and woman, on humankind, a dignity that surpasses all other created things. So there is something inherent. I like the phrase glorious ruins. Mm. Mm-hmm. We are glorious ruins. And that seems to help kind of express at least these two balances we've been trying to do these two yeah. weeks is we're glorious ruins. Now, there's something really glorious about people that um, I'm suddenly hearing Hamlet's uh, speech, you know, um, who's like man? There's just nothing like him, um, you know, in his reason, in his nature, in his capacity and all of it. There's nothing on earth that bears the image of God mm-hmm. like people do. In their capacity to love, in their capacity to sacrifice, in their capacity to create. And I think that's really essential. You know, a bird can build a nest, but a bird cannot build a cathedral. They cannot write a symphony or a jazz solo. You know, there's something about human beings in our capacity to love and to sacrifice and and to create. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a nobility to the human being that that does not belong to the redwood. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Yeah. And and so it's not merely the bestowing of the Father's love, although that's crucial. Right. The, the dignity was bestowed in the creation, bestowed by God. Hear, mm-hmm. hear me? I'm not a humanist. You know, I'm not exalting man on a level with God, but but I'm saying that having given that at creation, there is an inherent value. Mm-hmm. And Jesus clearly speaks of that inherent value. It's not a random, arbitrary, bestowed value because God simply chose to love us. No, he says, look, the, the woman who lost the lost coin, you know, she sweeps her house and finds the coin, the lost son, the lost sheep and all those things. There is a great value that's being assumed about that which is lost. And what's helpful to me in this conversation today, Craig, is I don't really think about that about yeah. myself very much. I, I, I don't see myself as particularly valuable. You know, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. And much of it has to do with the contempt that the enemy has for us and his constant pouring on of condemnation and hatred and loathing. Um, this is really good to just pause and say human beings are of unequaled value in all the universe. Yeah. According to Christ, yeah. that's the assumption he holds. As you're talking, John, I just think, what does the incarnation mean in this? I mean, he became man. He yeah. went by the title wow. son wow. of man. That's really good. He, uh, he still has his human body, by the way. Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't chuck his body after the ascension. You know, when they saw him raised from the dead, he said, look, you know, Thomas, touch my hands. Look at the holes right here. He still has his scars even, you know. So look at the value of humanity. In that body, he had emotions like us. His response to sinful people in their decisions is he wept. He felt compassion. Mm, I mean, God chose to reveal himself as human in the ultimate, truest, purest way. Mm. That's a something about our value as well. Your humanity is of incredible value. Yeah, wow, that's huge. Oh my goodness, friends, we just went 20 minutes and and I want to keep going. And so 
I'm back next week. So much more to say here, simply on Jesus' assumptions about people. And I really think we need to come back to, let's draw some differentiations then between sin and brokenness and Mm -hmm. value of people and how that all interacts. And I want to say something else about another assumption Jesus makes about people in the Gospel of John. So thanks for listening. For more, we invite you to our website at ransomed.com heart.com or come to our Facebook page as well.